The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello there. This is not Terry Aranga. This is Chantel Cecile Kira, and I am filling in for Terry Aranga today, who is still busy. Uh, with the follow-up from Autism One Conference, which just took place here in the Chicago area. I am the founder of AutismCollege.com, which provides uh, practical information on autism online. I'm also the author of numerous books, including the recent book, A Full Life with Autism, co-authored with my son, Jeremy. And I'm really excited to be here today because I have a wonderful guest for you all. She is a wonderful person as well as a friend. Her name is Betsy Hicks. She is an internationally known radio show host, video anchor. She's a speaker on picky eating, nutrition, and other health and wellness topics. She recently had a book published, and we're going to be talking a lot about that today, called Picky Eating Solutions, Bringing the Joy of Real Food Back to the Table. Betsy is the CEO of Elementals Living, which is a holistic health and wellness center located in Wisconsin. She speaks at many conferences around the world, and of course, she was recently at Autism One as well, where I had the pleasure of seeing her on Saturday. Welcome, Betsy. Thank you. It is so fun to be a guest for this show, and I'm just enjoying, just, I'm just sitting back enjoying, and just, it's going to be fun, and there's nobody I'd rather have interviewed me than you, Chantal. You're, you're always a lot of fun, so this is going to be a great show. Thank you, Betsy. So first of all, tell us about um, elemental living and tell us where it is that you live in Wisconsin. I know it's a big state. You know, we joke that we're a suburb of Chicago here in Wisconsin. (laughs) We're only about two hours from Chicago, downtown Chicago, and an hour and a half from a lot of the the northern um, suburbs. So we're just a little bit of an extension up north in in a nice resort area of the Lake Geneva, Lake Delavan area. Um, and we've had our practice here for nearly 10 years, um, and we absolutely love it. So we're on, we're basically on the southern on the southern back. And Elementals Living is a holistic health and wellness center. We um, my it's our medical director is my husband, Dr. John Hicks, who's an MD pediatrician, but he also sees probably more adults than children. We do all different types of chronic illness and really are a a great place to go when nobody else can figure out what's going on. Uh, They have amazing um, background here with our staff that really works together to try to figure out the the most chronic of solutions. Now, your background yourself, Betsy, is in nutrition. Isn't that right? You know, it's funny. I really don't have a scholastic background in nutrition. Um, I've been doing this for so many years that it seems that I've 
Um, I do, but <laughs> I don't. I have this. All of this started back, you know, as as with you, Chantel. My son's on the older end of the spectrum, and um, back in the days when he was little, and there were no internet, wasn't even happening much yet. Uh, there, there weren't solutions, and we had to find out and figure out things for ourselves. You know, back when a gluten-casing-free diet, the only thing you could buy in the store were rice cakes and rice milk. Those were pretty much the only products that were um, friendly to kids that were gluten-free. Um, but now, uh, you know, it, it basically started with, I actually worked with Dr. McCullough for a number of years, and then um, when I met my husband, I started working in his practice and have been counseling families for the last decade, um, actually more than that, if you count when I worked with McCullough, so probably see Joey's 18 and almost 19, and I started when he was four, so we're looking at close to 15 years. Right, and how many people work in your uh, center? We have nine a uh, staff of nine and all different types. We do a lot of um, what's called nutritional balancing where we help figure out the best supplements for people to use. We try to do things really affordably. And uh, we are, Dr. Hicks, my husband, is also licensed in the state of Hawaii, um, the state of Pennsylvania, hopefully very soon in the state of Kansas, which we have a lot of patients down in the Kansas and Missouri area. And um, also hopefully very soon, which should come by through any day now, is California, where we're going to be hopefully opening an office in the, in the uh, Bay Area uh, in the next year. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, so now yeah. I want to hear more about the book, Picky Eating Solutions, Bringing the Joy of Real Food Back to the Table. So I love the title, first of all, I have to say. Uh, I mean, I think we should all be thinking about the joy of real food. Coming from a French background, eating has always been a high priority in the family and also eating well and eating balanced meals and eating, you know, as a family around the table. So tell us more about your book. Well, I, I like, you know, it's funny, as you were reading the Bring the Joy of Food Back to the Table, I was thinking, okay, you're French, you totally get this, exactly, because right. it really is something that is so lost in the United States with having a family table again where people come back and, and food is not an argument and it's not a notion, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a trial because in so many families, mealtime is a trial of, you know, the child is the defense attorney and the parent is the prosecution and they're kind of arguing back and forth for how much they have to eat and what they have to eat and one of the things and you know that I really stress in the book is you need to get a really firm set of rules as to what it's going to be because the more kids don't feel like they understand how strict the rules are or what the rules are, it makes it more difficult. It's easier in a family like, hey, this is mealtime, show up at mealtime, this is what we do, this is the three-bite rule, for example, this is you know what's expected of you, and just have that consistent. It makes a big difference. But when you're working with children on the spectrum, I think a lot of parents get in a different type of a mode. And, and, and I preface that by saying that I work with children not on the spectrum, so picky eating is a you know it's a huge universal problem. It's not just towards autism, but I think with autism the parents get more frustrated because obviously if there's not good communication going on, if there's a lot of sensory issues, things tend to get heightened. Um, but it doesn't have to be the difference between allowing them to not eat well and not. You know. I I have a tremendous amount of love for children and especially the children on the spectrum, but I definitely 
don't feel that it's love to give your child Skittles or it's necessarily love to give their child grandma's cookies that may have gluten in them that may trigger a reaction. It's not a matter, it's not saying that you don't have good intentions or anything. It's just that if you really, really are looking at the, the overall welfare of the child, diet is, is a piece of it and you can present a very healthy diet with love in a very non-threatening type of a way. Right. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I really like the idea that you, that you mentioned about um, making sure what the rules were. Like, you know, you have to have three bites of everything or you have to at least try something or whatever it is uh, specifically. But what about uh, when you have families that maybe different members are on different diets? So maybe in the family there's only one child on the spectrum who's on the gluten casein free diet and you're still trying to have family meals. Or maybe you have a child who is, can't sit for more than five minutes. So how do you handle those issues and still have the joy of real food at the table at dinner time? Well, well, the, the, let's start with the part of sitting because I I really sympathize with that and and get that and especially I was just talking to my friend Ron Kaufman from Sunrise um, at the conference about what their philosophies were and and neither one of us either either him or myself feel that they have to be sitting at a table, um, especially when new foods are being introduced because we want to make it as comfortable to them as possible. So sometimes it is about getting on the floor. Or my big one is always taking them to the park where they're running around and, and building up an appetite. There's no and, and, and there's no other choices than what you brought in, the, in, your, in your bag as being pieces of broccoli or pieces of carrots or something that, you know, uh, some grapes or something that's, that, that you want them to be trying and something that's new, um, but yet, uh, so, so, so it doesn't always have to be at the table, but it's definitely right. an, an eventual goal because, let's face it, we all want our freedom. We want to be able to go to restaurants, and I love being able to take my son to restaurants now knowing that he knows the rules that he has to sit there, but it didn't come overnight, so there, there needs right. to be a certain patience with that and, and understanding that a lot of them can't. However, another part of what happens is with autism frequently is because they are so hyperactive or because they are moving around so much, they tend to graze. And food on the go isn't always a good thing either. Um, what I have found predominantly in the U.S. and wealthy countries, because I've been to 32 different countries and I've really studied food in every place that I go to, and, and what I find in our country is uh, we have this kind of, thing that every second the child acts up, we immediately throw food in their mouth. And, um, you know, in many countries where wealth and, and food is in scarcity, uh, that, that's not an option. I mean, you, you, you put together your meals. You don't have a bag of Cheerios sitting around or a bag of goldfish crackers sitting around. And those kids don't learn to graze. But I actually learned this from watching some amazing mothers um, in, at a park one day who refrained from the Tupperware filled of Cheerios and told their children, no, we're going out to eat after, so I want you to be hungry. And sadly, toddlers don't do that. You, know, you put the toddler at a, at a restaurant, what's the first thing the waiter does? It goes, gets them a bunch of crackers. Like, why do we want to be shoving crackers down this child? Let's, let's give them something that's healthy. So, yeah, that's true. So, we we do tend to do that here, and I notice that's really a big American thing, more so than French. And it's interesting because I'm right now staying uh, in Chicago 
with a French-American family like mine, and they also have a child on the spectrum. And I have gotten into some more American habits since moving back here, but they just recently moved um, here. And um, so she was just noticing a few things, too. And we were talking about the eating habits, and we were talking about how, you know, that's just the way it is. People wait until it's time to eat. Now, there is uh, sometimes a situation where people might have um, hypoglycemia or something like that. But then you don't. You can be having a piece of fruit or something that's really healthy. Exactly. And you're right. Like at the park, if they're not hungry, and they don't want. I mean, if they're not going to eat what you have for them, then that means they're not really hungry. It, it, it is. And 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 here's something, Chantel, that I know because you love food the way I love food. Don't you love to be hungry? Don't yes. you love the joy of sitting down to a meal when you're hungry and you're really in to dive into it, and isn't it times like that that you're most willing to try new things and to, to push the limit a little bit? But when we're not hungry, we take away joy. We take away the fun of indulging in that meal, and certainly when, when our stomachs are constantly being filled up with crackers and juice, we never get that desire to, to, to eat, and, and, and it takes away a lot of joy. Right. I'm speaking with Betsy Hicks. This is Chantel Cecile Kira, and we're going to be back after the break to find out more practical solutions from your book, Betsy. Great. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. And this is Chantel Cecile Kira uh, filling in for Terry Aranga. And my guest today is Betsy Hicks, who is the author of uh, Picky Eating Solutions, Bringing the Joy of Real Food Back to the Table. And earlier, Betsy, you were giving us a hint about introducing new foods in a fun environment, say if the child's playing outside or in a place where they really like and trying to get them to 
um, try a new food for the first time. And I really liked that idea. That's what I hadn't really thought about. And then once you have it generalized, perhaps they'll be up to eating it at the table uh, at mealtime. Are there other practical hints like that that you have to share with us? Well, you know, um, with my son, because he had such extreme sensory problems, we found that the bathtub was one of the best places to have him try new foods. He wow. was calm there, and if he spit it out, it really didn't matter. That's a good point. <laughs> but the, the bathtub, and we pretty much did that until he was about seven or eight, that we would try new foods in the bathtub. One of the foods that worked really well for him, because he liked the texture smooth, is we would make homemade soups. We would make like a bone broth type of a, of a basic broth, and then we would puree vegetables into the broth so that it was nice and smooth for him. And it was a very great bath time kind of ritual that he would eat his nice, sip his nice warm soup, and we would get large amounts down him at, at that time. Um, and then, and then going back to the whole thing with the park, anytime you're in, in a location, we, we would find like taking him on vacation and even things like that, he would be his best eater because it was when he knew there were other options that he would be more self-selective. When, when he really didn't have a lot of options, he would be more, um, acceptable to what, what was being offered. Don't you, you know, you hear that all the time when your kids, go to other people's houses or they come to your house, do the parents say, oh, my kid eats so much better at your house than they do at my own? And it's because, you know, they know that's the option and there's no real negotiation factor when you're going to somebody's house to eat. So taking them out of their environment is always a good thing when in trying new foods. Really good point. I hadn't thought about that, about when you're in um, other people's homes, but it's true. It tends to be true. I know, actually, Jeremy, we've tried to train him not to do this, but he... If we are at somebody's house, sometimes he does head over to see what's in the refrigerator. Yeah. Well, I'm sure Joey, <laughs> you know, usually does too. He, he, he likes to look for some staples that he really enjoys, predominantly butter. But <laughs> we make him a lot of ghee. And, of course, that's, a, that's not an easy one to travel with. But, um, yeah. What is it that you make a lot of? Ghee, which is clarified butter. It's butter where the protein of casein has been removed. And then he just, he, this way he still gets the really healthy butter fat without having the casein. Uh-huh. And what kind of an eater is Joey now? Well, it's really interesting that you ask that because um, first, I'm, I'm going to, before I tell you what kind of an eater Joey is, I'm going to tell you what kind of eater his, his twin sister and his other sister are. Okay. And now, are they on the spectrum? No. Well, my, my old, his twin sister was. She no longer has any diagnosis. She's graduating from high school and off to Portland to go to college um, at Pacific University this coming up fall. Um, Congratulations. And thank you. I'm very excited. She's an amazing, amazing individual. She just did a year in Thailand, studying abroad in Thailand for her senior year of high school. And wow. um, nobody would even come close. In fact, she was voted best personality in her high school class. So this from a child who had an Asperger's diagnosis when she was little. Um, she's just one of those kids that people love. And um, she she was an exceptional picky eater. And um, well, while living the year in Thailand, she ate um, worm larvae, uh, uh, she ate um, cockroaches, she ate crickets, and, and she ate all kinds of, and not, not like cockroaches off the floor, they were deep fried cockroaches. No, I understand, I understand. <laughs> 
but but the thing is, speaking kid, just speaking to somebody me. here who thought that snails was part of Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> until she ate with a real American family at the age of nineteen. Because my family being French, we had snails at the start of, of our Thanksgiving meal, and I thought it was part of Thanksgiving. <laughs> I thought every family had snails on the table at Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, and, and and I talk about that in the book a lot, about it's all, you know, what is weird and what is strange or uh, truly perception, because, you know, she grew, she was living a year in a culture where that was, a, that was eaten like popcorn, the crickets were eaten like popcorn, and that's just how it is, so it's, it, a lot of it is perception, and my other daughter is also a really great eater. Um, the interesting thing with Joey is I would not say that he absolutely loves vegetables. Um, and I think that that's an important lesson because if I had waited, as the doctors say, oh, he'll grow into liking vegetables. If I had waited, he would still not eat a vegetable. He, he doesn't really... I think really... that's true. That's true for a lot of kids. I mean... Well, some adults will tell me I didn't like vegetables when I was a kid, but I do love them now. And but but it's more likely that they never do grow into it more so than 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 all of a sudden something switches and they do like it. But, I but think, Joey, isn't it isn't it more like they get used to eating something over time? Like for example, I remember for myself, and now I see the same thing in my daughter who is um, neurotypical. Is that um, at first when she was little, she didn't like mushrooms at all. But you know, right. in our rule, we just had the one bite at the right. table. You had to try. Right, and then she got to the point where she loves mushrooms now. So something more valuable than the one bite, and then I actually upped it to three bite rule, and I talk about that in my book, because there's something about three bites that just kind of like makes it a little bit, you know, brings it to another level. But right, it is. 100% 100% how Mia, my daughter, became a great eater. It was it was just like you said. It's just the consistency, and as we talked about earlier, Chantel, it's never negotiation. It's never right. a matter of no. You know, I have to say I've made some really bad things over the years. Who hasn't? We all have recipes that kind of flop, and right. no, you know, if it's really just blatantly gross, no, you don't have to free bite roll. But, I mean, if it's a pretty reasonable meal or a really reasonable request, like something basic and, you know, that's, that's not been burned or, or totally sautéed to the point of death or something like that, then it's, there's nothing wrong with, with having a, a, two, a one or better yet three-bite roll. And, and that's where Joey is now. Joey is extremely understanding that this is what he has to eat. And now that we're doing fermented vegetables, which we do very consistently, because Joey had 50 food allergies, five zero food allergies, in addition to the gluten and casein, everything under the sun. And it was fermented foods that really had him a big piece of why he lost a lot of those food intolerances. Oh, and, explain, can you explain more about that? I'm not sure that listeners know a lot about fermented foods. Well, and that was a big topic that we spoke about at the Autism One conference, and I really urge people to, um, to take a look at that lecture that are going to be offered on Autism One's website as well as Sandor Katz's lecture on fermentation, which was phenomenal, and that was on Thursday. My lecture was on Sunday. And okay. fermentation in general is a process of, it's as simple of, it's basically all food 
is eventually going to start to change over and, you know, it, it rot. But when you ferment something properly with either salt or some sort of a sealing process, it actually will cultivate good, healthy bacteria that help you create a good flora. When you have a good flora, when you have a healthy system in your gut, then it starts to expand almost as, as in armies. The more healthy bacteria you have, the more that they grow in, in kind of these armies that, that start sealing the intestinal area and making it so that the bad bacteria cannot grow or penetrate. And they all live in this kind of symbiotic relationship. We'll never get rid of bad bacteria. We'll never fully get rid of yeast. They're supposed to exist. They just need to exist symbiotically with the good bacteria. And But the majority of people with autism having so many gut issues, it is they are far extreme in, in the bad over the good, and it's not a symbi- symbiotic relationship. So cultured foods are one of the best things that you can do because of the fact that they are, they implant rather being transient. You can take an oral probiotic and it will help you. There's no question, but it will only last for a certain amount of weeks. If you, if you eat fermented foods, it actually starts to implant and starts to really be able to take over the whole milieu of the, of the gut lining and, and the intestinal area. And for those of you who don't know, you should know that the majority of our neurotransmitters and our serotonin are all manufactured in the gut area. And if we, we, when we're foggy or we have poor speech or we can't think properly or things just aren't jiving in our brain, it all stems down to the gut because our gut is our second brain and we have to treat it with the respect that it really needs and that's good bacteria. So that's why doing a diet that's rich in cultured foods can be one of the easiest most affordable, and the most fastest results of anything that you could do for your child. Interesting. Now, is um, do you buy fermented foods, or is it something that you can do at home? Well, you can, and, I, and I'm actually going to have the owner of Wise Choice Market on the phone, uh, on, on this radio show. I think it's in about three weeks. He's going to be on from Wise Choice Market, who's going to talk about commercial products that are available. So I urge you to listen to that. And But Wise Choice Market is a great place to go. Cultures for Health is another great place. But honestly, you can make these things. And that's what Sandor Katz talked about in the lecture, his lecture on um, Thursday. And his book is called The Art of Fermentation by Sandor Katz, K-A-T-Z. I highly, highly recommend his book. His teachings are phenomenal. And so we've been working with Joey on these cultured foods, and it, the result has been just tremendously dramatic. And going back to what we were talking about earlier is we find that things for Joey do very well in that are compartmentalized. So we buy like um, Dixie cups or shot glass type things and we put his sauerkraut or his uh, beet kvass or his kefir or kombucha, whatever it is that we're giving him, in the shot glass. So he has that kind of visual of this is how much you have to have and then he can get on with his meal. And he he puts it down very, very quickly. You would look at him and think, oh, he really loves that. And it's no, it's just that he knows that that's the rule before he can move on to his potatoes or, or something that he really wants to eat. Interesting. That's a really good point. I had never thought about the visual aspect of, of using something such as a shot glass. 
there's there's so many different things that can be done to help children with autism understand that this is just kind of the the role that it is. And I've worked with some of the most extreme picky eaters on the planet, oh my goodness, in all different types of countries and and with no language, even understanding of where they're at. And there are so many common denominators, but the biggest one is fear. It's, It's the same fear that a lot of the listeners felt when I said my daughter ate a cockroach. Just that, right. that fear of what is that going to feel like in my mouth. It's no different from to the first bite of broccoli for a lot of children with autism. So there's, there's ways, and we can talk about that after the break if you like, ways to help kind of soften that blow that, that you can get them to eat that first bite. Yes, I would really like to talk about that after the break. And I'd also like to know if you have any ideas for um, picky eaters that have... Um, uh, visual sensitivities in terms of color. Are there any oh. hints that you can give us after the break about okay. those sure. who have color challenges when it comes to Sounds food? Sounds good. We'll go. We'll do that. Great. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for New Reflections, featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic, from skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty. You'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Hello, and this is Chantel Cecile Kira here, uh, trying to replace Terry Aranga. <laughs> I am guest hosting for her today, and my guest is Betsy Hicks, and we're talking about her book, uh, eating Solutions, Bringing the Joy of Real Food Back to the Table. And um, I wanted to know, Betsy, if you had any uh, hints for parents about um, picky eaters that are picky in terms of color. Like I've heard of kids on the spectrum who will only eat white foods or will only eat foods of a certain color because they have this, um, they know maybe they've tried other foods of that color that taste okay to them. But it has to do with color, not necessarily with the sensation in the mouth. Well, it's it, it just like um, the child who will only eat a certain shape of a chicken nugget or the child that will only eat a cracker in a particular shape or anything like that. Those all kind of fall into the same category, and really it's just that whole thing of fear. It's like this is what I know. This is what I know will be okay. Um, so, um, you know, I, I don't want to go there to a different place. Probably one of the easiest places to start would be 
liquids. And if you're having a hard time with getting them to have something that's green, then maybe start moving with some sort of a green juice. And by doing that, you could do something as similar, although I'm not a big fan of juice. I just say, let's, you know, if you, but you can you can find a, a juice that is particularly green, or you can do something as simple as taking their apple juice and just pureeing a little bit of parsley into it and making it green. <laughs> right. Something that they like, and if it's in a sippy cup, let them be drinking it for a while, and then show them that it's green. I mean, that's oh, that's, interesting. You know, let them see. Look what you did. This is awesome. This is great. You know, you don't want to ever belittle. You never want to say that's stupid. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. You just you you want to help them feel friendly with things, and so um, you know there are some requests that are easier than others to kind of fulfill, whether it be the shape of something. Um, I kind of. You know, the, when when Jessica Seinfeld came out with the book Deceptively Delicious, which was about uh, pureeing everything into foods, I think there's a wonderful place for that, but I think it needs to stop at a certain point and that you need to start moving on to desensitizing and that you can't expect to live your life with every vegetable being snuck into something. It's just not a practical right. way of living, and you need to have... You need to open their horizons a little bit more. So that's when it kind of comes into some of the different techniques that we talk about in the book. And one of the things I, you know, talk about is food chaining, which food chaining is kind of popular. It's a, it's a common um, talk about in the picky eating world, which is basically, you remember, you ever done those puzzles where you take a word and then you change one letter and then you change another letter and you change another letter until you get a different word? Right. Same kind of thing with food. You just start changing one little thing about it until you get the end product. For example, you know, your your child is eating chicken nuggets and you want them to eat steak. So you start by um, taking the chicken nugget and you no longer um, use the processed chicken nuggets. You make a homemade chicken nugget so that there's actual chunks of chicken in it as opposed to a pasty chicken. And then you start making like a fried chicken or something such as that. Then you start taking a piece of meat and pounding it and putting the same kind of coating on the meat and frying that. Then you start not pounding the meat and using a thicker piece of meat and breading that and doing that. And then you end up going into an actual steak. And that's what kind of food chain is. It's kind of this gradual working. Um, That technique works for some, not for others. The, The most common of what works for the majority of the people that I work with and that I get the best feedback on is the kind of the first this, then that rule, um, which is one of those things that sometimes it comes down to withholding food for potentially, you know, a couple of days even, as much as I hate to see that happen, you know, some parents really have to go to the extreme in order to get that first bite. What usually I recommend is this. You start with the amount of what you want to try. So let's let's give an example of hamburger and fries. And the child loves French fries but refuses to eat hamburger. And you're trying so hard to get protein, which is very important because protein has all those amino acids in it that have the building blocks for the immune system. So you really need to be getting protein in them. But they love their fries. So you start off on the first day with a plate of their fries and a piece of meat the size of a pinky nail. I'm talking minuscule, minuscule, minuscule. Take take the size of their pinky, that size of their nail, that's how much you make the bite. Very, very achievable. Nothing that's overwhelming or difficult to put together. And then you basically say, first this, 
than than the fries. And in some children, it starts with just putting it to the lips, and that's that's the, all the success that you're going to get, and you just be happy with that. With some children, it works really well to do that for a week, but where they spit it out, where they can put it, they put it in their mouth, but they're totally allowed to spit it out. I don't always love that technique. For some children, I've seen it work really well. For others, it creates a, a big hassle down the road of them spitting food. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that because I could think of some kids that I know who would like get in the habit of just spitting it out and never actually swallow. Exactly. How do you get them to swallow then after that? Uh, but I have seen children where this has been really successful for, so it's, I, I say that with a disclaimer, the whole spitting out piece. But but for the majority of children, that by keeping it very achievable, by having lots of positive praise, by never asking for more than that minuscule amount, and that's another piece. When kids trust you that it's just going to be this little piece and that's all you're asking for for the entire day, they they're much more likely to be cooperative with your request than when you say, oh, you did such a great job on that, now let's try some more. Don't push right. the envelope with that. If they eat their three bites readily and then you say, oh, that was so great, let's eat three bites more, they're going to be less likely to try the three bites because they're going to be like, well, how far do I really have to go? So right. make the rules very, very clear. And even a child, my son is not verbal and my son completely understands first this than that and has since he was six years old when I first started all of this. Right. And because it's it's not it's it's one of the first primary things that they learn in therapy is first this than that. Now how do you feel about I've had people um say that um if you're gonna be doing the for example, gluten um and casein-free diet, that the whole family needs to be on it, especially if you're going to be sharing meals or, you know, you can't just have one person in the family on that diet. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I really wish that parents would take the gift that their children are as far as the children are trying to wake up the rest of the world as to the way diet needs to be more about. And we're taking this message and we're distorting it that it's just about this child. You know, I, um, I find my own health, feels amazing when I'm gluten-free and dairy-free as much as possible. I do have to admit that I enjoy my French cheeses, Chantel, which I'm sure <laughs> you would never give up as well. Um, but those are fermented, and those are actually have live cultures in them, so I don't feel guilty having in, enjoying those. But for the most part, a gluten-free diet is a great way to go for, the, for a lot of people. And so um, I do think it's a good idea to do it as a family, and I think all of this is a good idea. The one thing that I'm really in disagreement with is the people that are doing GFCF diet with no knack or understanding of nutrition whatsoever. Being yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I'm not a nutritionist, but yeah. I have seen... Um, Families who are, you know, on this diet or one of their children is on that diet, but then they're eating processed foods and, and they're, they're not eating doing fresh things like vegetables. the panda puffs and, you know, the, the, the panda puffs are a gluten casein-free item that you buy in the health food store, but they are completely bad bacteria-forming corn-based sugar and it's, there's nothing healthy about that product at all. And, you know, it's, 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 if, if you use that as a huge reinforcer, okay, then I can see some of the benefit towards that. But Skittles, another GFCF food that is probably one of the most toxic foods on the planet. And so you can't be looking at those foods as thinking that they're healthy. The, our diet needs to be about healing the gut. And being GFCF is just about 
assisting neurotransmitters, it's very, very little about healing the gut. And that's, that's where a lot of this needs to be at. It needs to be about, and that's why the term real food. And in my book, I have a whole section about how when I first went to have it published, the editor was like, you know, you need to have some nutrition information here. And I was really against it because I don't feel there is a one nutrition diet for everybody. I don't feel everybody has to follow the same diet because depending on your lifestyle, where you were raised, the foods that you enjoy, I think it should be customizing. But the one thing that I did believe in is that we need to be eating real food. And by real food, I mean food that that eventually you know, will go bad or will decay without proper fermentation or by, by food that doesn't decompose very well. I think this is what I mean by real food, shopping the perimeters of the store and stop buying all these cartons. When people tell me that GFCF is expensive, I, I say, you know what, it's only expensive if you make it because in Costa Rica where I visited families out there, they're eating beans and rice and vegetables all the time, and that's what they're eating, and they are living right. with pennies a day. So, so it's not impossible to eat GFCF on a very tight budget. It's because of the way that we are used to eating here in um, America. Yes, and when I say when people say to me, "Oh, if my child doesn't have their chicken nuggets or their macaroni and cheese or their pizza or their goldfish crackers, they're going to starve." And yeah, I but think, how did you know they what? get in the habit that, to begin with? That's, if that's what they they're eating. That they're starving when they were now. little. Yeah. They're nutri- they may be getting calories, but nutritionally they are starving now because those are not foods to build the foundation of anybody. And this is why I like to get parents riled up. I like to get them passionate about this. I want them to know what the difference food makes because there is a huge difference between a, a parent that is approached by their child with a bag of Skittles and a parent that says no but feels really guilty and has that look on their eyes of, well, you could probably negotiate it if you wanted to. And the difference between a parent who knows how toxic that food is and looks very firmly at their child in the eyes and very confidently says no because the child is going to negotiate as far as they possibly can. And you want this to be a, I love you so much that I don't want to give you a poison in your body. So, no, exactly. you're not going to eat that. Exactly. Now, you know what? We haven't yet at all mentioned the website because isn't there a place where they can go to learn more about your book and more about your company, which is Elemental, Elemental, Elemental Living, Living. Living.com. Yes, it's Elementals okay. with an S, Living.com. And Elementals are those wonderful little beings out in the world that are all kind of helping us to be the best that we can be. It's a fun kind of like almost little fairy term that's that's out there that uh, we have fun with here, and uh, it's just a, a, a happy name. But elementalsliving.com, they can purchase the book. We have a store um, on our website that you, they can purchase the book and other cultured foods as well that we do sell, on, as well as good probiotics um, on the website as well. They, the book is also available on Amazon as well as with um, the Kindle. Great. Oh, that's good. So people can download it. Yes, yes, definitely. That's wonderful. Lots, lots of information on, on that. And um, uh, But elementalsliving.com, we'd love to have you there directly. It would be great to have you come visit our website. We have all kinds of, uh, of, of information, of fermentation, articles that we've written, lots of good things on the website. So for how long now have you been um, looking at fermentation in the diet? 
new. This is only in the past three years that I've really gotten into this, and I absolutely adore it. And the more I learn, the more I realize that it's absolutely huge. It, we were we were pushed and pushed and pushed to do this by patients for a lot of years, and it wasn't. You know, I guess you're always in the right place, the right mindset when it when you hear it and you're thinking, yeah. This is it. This is this makes sense. And my husband cannot believe the difference it's making in his patients. I mean, dramatic turnarounds by the people that are doing the fermented foods. Wonderful. We're going to hear about that as soon as we're back from the break. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Professionals and families who are dealing with autism face challenges that can lead to many questions. Questions about how to understand, communicate, and support each other. Every week, Autism Today with host Dr. Patrick J. Rydell will focus on dealing with the diagnosis and the day-to-day challenges of autism spectrum disorders. Dr. Rydell will combine his 30 years of experience along with featured guests from the ASD field to provide their insights and answers to your questions. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. It's not Terry, it's Chantel Cecile Kira, uh, because Terry Aranga is still busy with Autism One Conference, which was a wonderful uh, information-packed conference that just took place here near Chicago. And I am speaking with Betsy Hicks, who is the CEO of Elementals Living and also the author of Picky Eating Solutions, Bringing the Joy of Real Food Back to the Table. And Betsy, I wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, fermentation and the positives that um, your husband was seeing in patients that would come to see him saying that they were um, eating more of fermented foods? Well, first, I'll I'll bring it back to Autism One and the think tank this year that um, it was the gut think tank that my husband participated in. And my husband has written articles on biofilms, and he spoke Uh on biofilms at the conference, as well as um, in the new wonderful book coming out very soon, Cutting Edge Therapies for Autism, um, with Skyhorse Publishing, the, the new version is going to be coming out in June. And, Great. Uh, and John has, my husband, John Hicks, um, has an article on biofilms, and I have an article that we co-wrote together on fermentation in the book. So I highly recommend for you to pick up the new version of Cutting Edge Therapies for Autism, and you can read more about it there. Um, but in the think tank that he participated in, it was wonderful for him to hear how many of the doctors are starting to be- recognize the benefits of fermentation and how fermentation, fermented foods are truly the only way to really be able to get the, the gut back into to beautiful shape. It's just an absolutely essential part of, of gut 
healing and getting rid of bad bacteria and clearing up candida and, and a lot of these things. A lot of the other things are just temporary fixes, and they may do better, you know, for a short period of time, but the bad bacteria or the candida will always come back unless you are really destroying the biofilm, which is best treated with fermented foods. Um, but as far as the patients are concerned, um, wow, I have a lot that will tell you that um, the, the clarity, I mean, I, I know in particular um, the, the, the amount of benefits that even I have seen in myself have been just a tremendous amount of clarity because they really help those neurotransmitters be able to connect properly and you just can think and feel better. It will help raise your pH levels. It increases B vitamins so that you can get your B vitamins naturally. So those kids who are getting loads and loads of B vitamins but their levels are never going up, they're not absorbing them. But cultured right. foods, fermented foods, actually have the B vitamins in them and give you high amounts of them as they do with minerals. Large amounts of minerals can be found. And if you're using good sea salt, you're going to get trace minerals as well. So you're getting a wide variety of minerals through that. Um, they also, fermented foods, help with digestion. So um, those people who are spending a lot of money on expensive digestive enzymes can actually, if you have just, all you need is a spoonful of fermented foods with every meal, those actually work as digestive enzymes. Those will help break down foods within your gut and make you be able to... Now, some people still need digestive enzymes. I'm not saying that it's, it's they're never used, but those can really be enough for a lot of people. So the fermented foods that you're talking about, it's really only about adding uh, small portions of fermented foods yes. into your um, diet. Yes, it does not have to be loads and loads, and that's why I put my sons in the shot, gla in the shot glass. You know, this is all you got to do, and it's so attainable and so achievable. I have to admit, there's mornings where I've woken up where it didn't seem very desirable to me, but if it's just a spoonful, how hard is it to just to swallow one spoonful and then to get on with your day? But one of the big things that I find very interesting is pH, and more information is coming out on pH, and, and no, it was presented at Autism One, because the thing is, is if we're running acidic, we cannot absorb anything, vitamins, nutrients in food, nothing. We don't, our, our absorbability factor dramatically increases with our acidity. So alkalinity is absolutely essential. And if we start our day with something that's alkaline, and, you know, what, what can that look like? Well, the easiest, fastest, and simplest way is something that's fermented. And we made beet um, kvass, which is something that uh, Sandor made, and, and I've been making it for a while, which is just simply beets that have been soaking in water and a little bit of salt, and then you take the beets out and you just drink this liquid, which is a wonderful kind of salty fermented beverage that you can just drink a little shot glass in the morning. These are the kinds of things that are very, very simple to do. They can be disguised into other products, or they can just be drinking straight, and you can start and create that alkalinity first thing in the morning. A little well, how, bit long, how long does it, would it have to sit in there for it to be considered fermented? Well, technically, you're looking at about three days for most products. Um, some things, the longer are the better. Um, in, in Sandra's book, uh, The Art of Fermentation, you can get lots of really good right. recipes for making things like that. But honestly, I go to YouTube all the time, especially if I need a visual of what something needs to look like because there's so, so many YouTube videos on fermentation right now. So if you're wanting to know what to make, 
just Google it. On our website, we have a great video of uh, under recipes. We have a great video of Sandor making sauerkraut. That's really it's only like four minutes to watch, but it gives you a good idea as to what the process is and how tremendously simple and affordable it is to do. And that's on your website, Elementals ElementalsLiving.com, right? Great. And I wanted to ask you, what about the concern um, for those that are supposed to have a low-sodium diet? Is there any concern? Because I noticed you talked well, about Well, it's interesting. Times. The terms of low-sodium usually, at least from a hypertension standpoint, are really um, very rarely do they need to be low-sodium. What they need to be is low-sodium nitrate and low-sodium nitrite, or uh, those are the kinds of foods that they're not assimilating well. But a good Celtic sea salt, Celtic sea salt, or a Hawaiian sea salt, or Himalayan sea salt, those are the kinds of salts that absorb and are used really well by the thyroid and, and, and by other glands so that, that do well. However, if salt is a concern, these products do not need to be made with large amounts of salt. You can make them at home with just a pinch in a jar and it will do enough. The problem is the salt keeps it crunchy. So if you like a mushy sauerkraut, um, if, if you know, you're not going to be adding very much salt to it, that's fine. It's just going to be mushier. Um, where the salt will keep it crunchier and, and a little bit and a lot tastier. You know, this is really wonderful to hear all this. It makes me want to run and look at your website and also buy the book, Picky Eating Solutions, Bringing the Joy of Real Food Back to the Table. I've heard about the, these cultured foods for a while, but I hadn't really understood how all that worked, so it's been really interesting hearing, uh, Betsy, from you about that. So how long have you yourself been using them? Um, myself, I've been doing it for about a, a year pretty religiously where I'm, I'm, I'm doing them consistently. I lost 10 pounds. I feel amazing. I completely lost my cravings for sugar. I stopped eating sugar altogether because it just really doesn't have an appeal to me anymore because that's the thing. When you've got a lot of yeast growing, bad yeast and bad bacteria growing in your gut, you are going to crave sugar. And, and it's like no matter how good your willpower is, the cravings are unbearable when you've got all these little bacteria lobbying out down there for you to eat some sugar. But when you have a healthy intestinal tract and when the, the, everything's working synergistically together, you don't have those cravings and it really doesn't appeal to you. In fact, what you will start craving are the sauerkrauts and the fermented foods and the kvasas and the kombuchas and the, and the, Confers, those are what you'll start getting more cravings for because those good bacteria start craving more good bacteria and it just makes it, 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 it very, very satisfying. In fact, even with alcohol, um, you know, we find that some of the kefirs are way better than the cocktails we used to drink. And yesterday, yes, I actually posted this on our Facebook account, which I urge you to join the Elementals Living Facebook account, but I actually posted Dr. Hicks and I had a, um, a vodka cocktail, or it was vodka and sauerkraut juice, which is probably about the strangest. Interesting. But it was actually very, very good. It tasted like a dirty martini, and we were thinking, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for every way we can think of to get these fermented foods down us. Why not bring it into, into the kind of more celebratory uh, part as well? Right, interesting. And also sometimes being autism parents, you may sometimes <laughs> need to have a little alcohol or feel like you need to have a little alcohol with your sauerkraut. That's right, exactly. So that, that, that's where it's at. And, and, and it's, uh, but, the, but the book has a lot more tips in it, and you can 
people who want to purchase it can, can learn a lot more about uh, breaking down different techniques, especially for those that are the extreme picky eater, because I didn't really get into that too much today. But for right. those that have really big, big severities, the book will break down. It also has a little bit of nutrition, a little bit about fermentation, not a lot about fermentation, because unfortunately I wrote the book before I got really heavily into it. But I do touch base on it a little bit. So, um, so do, you, I, do you think that the picking uh, picky eating solutions book is that geared um, towards parents and educators, and is it pretty easy to follow with the practical advice? People tell me it's a very easy read, and it is not just for children; it's for adults as well too. I've had many um, college students that have written me saying that someone bought it for them, how much they really enjoyed the book, and how it helped them understand what their problem was with picky eating and help them be able to kind of walk into it a little bit more gracefully and a little bit easier, and um, and we have had good success. And, and I've had a lot of wives buy it for their husbands, let me tell you that. <laughs> That's great. Well, this is Chantal Cecile Cura, and I've been speaking with Betsy Hicks about her book, Picky Eating Solutions, Bringing the Joy of Real Food Back to the Table, and you can find out more on elementalsliving.com. Great. Betsy, thank you. thank you so much for being a guest today. It was a blast. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you, Betsy. And to everyone out there, have the change you want to be. Have a great week. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. 